It's time for the fastest 30 minutes in football talk. Welcome to Pigskin Podcast, your first look back at the NFL weekend. Now, I'm definitely not live. From the studios of the Fan AM 1060 and the Fan1060.com, here are your hosts, Justin Carp and Brian Giberman. Second and 12 from the Arizona 17. Quick screen, right side Santana has a block to the 10 to the 5. He is in! Touchdown! Touchdown Santana Moss and the Redskins take the lead! Obviously since we didn't stop them, you have second thoughts about it. But at the time with 2.47 left, with two timeouts plus the two minute, with where we were on the field, if we don't make that fourth down, then essentially the game's over because whether or not we stop them, which we could have, and they punt the ball, now you're looking at coming from the inside the 20, the length of the field with two minutes and no timeouts, which is tough. Plenty of interesting decisions and Calls in every which way in another crazy NFL weekend. It's the Pigskin Podcast right here on the Fan AM 1060 and the Fan1060.com. It's Justin Carp. It's Brian Giberman back at you on another Monday night, Tuesday morning, bringing you everything you need to know about the National Football League and what went down in the previous week. Brian. Good to be here again, and I know that you're kind of hurting after tonight's loss, that's for sure. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that Jets-Chargers loss a little bit later. I think where we need to start, very obviously, is the 24-17 loss the Arizona Cardinals had against the Washington Redskins. And we heard the cut in the open. We heard Ken Wisenhunt talking about not going for it on the 4th and 4 on their own 48-yard line with 2.36 left in the game. Dirk Johnson has a terrible punt, doesn't pin him deep. Gets the balls at the 16-yard line. And I'll tell you what, Ken Wisenhunt made the wrong call. Yeah, it doesn't really get any more simple than that. By the way, the uh, the cut there, courtesy of Redskins Radio. And the uh, sound from the Arizona Cardinals, actually courtesy of the Arizona Cardinals. Through. So thanks for all that. Yeah, we, we saw it a couple of years ago. Remember when ASU against USC in Southern California in 2006 when Dirk Cutter punted the ball away <laughs> and thought that they had a chance to get the ball back? Well, that I, I guarantee you that was Ken Wisenhut's That Wizenhut's was even thinking. worse. That was even worse because <laughs> of the clock rules back then. But this was... Ken Wisenhunt putting faith in his punter and his defense saying, okay, we can't get it done right now on offense. It's time for the defense to shut it down. And they had plenty of time. They had two timeouts left, plus the two-minute warning. So his thinking, it wasn't an insane thought. It was, I think that our defense can get us the ball back with enough time left on the clock to do something with it down by a touchdown. And obviously, it was the defense that made Ken Wisenhunt look stupid. And I... I think he was wrong, and you're right. The defense makes him look bad in this situation. Because if everything went according to plan, as you just talked about, they probably wouldn't have gotten the ball back with about a minute 40 left, something in that range. Because they would have, they would have ran it down to the two-minute warning after the two timeouts punted, so probably right around minute and 40 seconds. But after watching how the defense performed on the drive before that, the Redskins had a drive that wasn't as impressive as the Cardinals had against the Dolphins, but it was kind of similar. They got the ball at 9.55 left. They held it till 3.29. So they had the ball for 6 minutes, 26 seconds. They had 37 rushing yards on eight carries on that drive. And they just ate up the clock. Yeah. They just drove right down. They didn't really drive. It was it was a short. They didn't really go the length of the field or anything like that. They kind of dinked and dunked it all over the field yeah. and just ran slime off the clock and made the Cardinals get back on their heels. And then missed the field goal. Exactly. Which kept it a game at that point. Cardinals got the ball. Didn't really move the ball very much. But they got they completed one six-yard pass and had a chance at the 48-yard line. I think that's the key to the situation. So 
what they do when they made up the punt. They made up, what, 39 yards? Something like that. Yeah. A little more. A little 38, 39. And they I, just I kept pounding math. the football. Like I just said, they were able to just matriculate the ball, to use a big word like, like Chris Berman does, to matriculate the ball down the field, and they were able to just bleed the time off and bleed more and more time off, and eventually that was it. And I've heard a lot of people maybe call Ken Wisenhunt today conservative. I don't think he's conservative. I don't think that was a conservative exactly. call. It wasn't, it, it's not that he was conservative. Throughout the game, he was not conservative. I think he just made a wrong decision. He had Tim Hightower catch a pet. Who threw the pass? Jeremy Tim Urban. Hightower. He had Jeremy, thank you. He had Jeremy Urban catch a pass. Ken, I can't even talk right now. Kurt <laughs> Warner threw the ball down the field. I mean, Edron James only carried the ball 18 times. But he still can't. Got about, he had 92 yards. Yeah, 92 yards. You could even argue that Edron James... Maybe you should have seen the ball a little bit more. That's, that's what I wanted to get into. So the Cardinals get the loss 24-17. That is the plain and simple fact. They drop to 2-1. and one. They don't start 3-0 for the good first time. Good football game. Oh, it's a good football, good football game. game. There's, a good. Lot, there's a lot to be disappointed in, and there's some to be happy about. I think that Kurt Warner clearly establishes himself. They made the right choice. Kurt Warner is this team's quarterback. He has established a very nice rapport. That Larry Fitzgerald catch looked like a, a spitting image carbon copy of the play Fitz that he hit. Fitz dropped two balls in this game. He did, but I think that the touchdown pass was a carbon copy of the one he hit Anquan Bolden with in Week 2 versus the Miami Dolphins. It was the exact same play, exact same route, and it was the exact same result. I like the way that looked. I thought that they didn't run the ball enough. I thought Tim Hightower really, you know, he had a good game. I thought Edwin James was running the ball very well, but if they had given him the ball a little bit more, use that run. It's the old cliche. Use that run to set up that pass. It would have put the Cardinals into a much better situation moving the ball down the field and on a couple of those drives that really stalled out, I feel like you give the ball to James more, they would have moved the ball easier. Yeah, Fitz, Fitz dropped the pass in the end zone. I don't want to hear Laurent Landry broke that up. He dropped the pass oh, in the end zone. That hit him in the hand, and he also dropped the pass over the middle that he normally would have caught. And so I was a little bit disappointed in Fitz to, despite the numbers that he had. Bolden wasn't really as involved. That's going to happen when you have wide receivers like this. There's going to be games when Fitz has a big game. There's going to be days when Bolden has the big game. That's going to happen. A lot of people will say watching this game, and I watched this game twice. I watched it, T-voted, watched the replay. A lot of people are saying that they think that the Redskins out-hustled the Arizona Cardinals in that in this game. What do you think about that? I don't. I didn't see it a whole lot. I thought there were some plays where it was really obvious that the secondary for the Washington Redskins was is a little bit more athletic. I think they're a little bit quicker on their feet than the Cardinals wide receivers. But there were some instances where I felt like the Cardinals had some players that could have gotten open and maybe gotten a couple extra yards, and they didn't. And, of course, every give, yard give me counts. One, let me hear. What, let's hear. What plays did you see that happen on that you thought? I think that if Larry Fitzgerald was in a better position and didn't have had a little bit more room on the play that you said where he dropped the ball, I think he catches that ball. You think he should have used his bigger body to exactly. box out Landry. Okay, exactly. Fair, I, fair I, point. I think on that play, if he used his body a little bit more, was a little bit athletic, went that extra half a step, he would have maybe caught that ball, maybe heard footsteps. Who knows? But I feel on that play... That would have made a difference. So one thing I saw, nothing happened of it, but when La- on Larry Fitzgerald's touchdown, when he's carrying the ball in his hand and throwing it forward before yeah. he gets in the end zone, <laughs> did he not see Deshaun Jackson le- last week? <sighs> I hope Kevin Wisenhunt made a point about that. One other thing I got from this game, Kurt Warner played great. He underthrew Breston on that ball. That was yeah. the reason that pass was intercepted, even though it was a great play by Carlos Rogers. Without a doubt. By the way, before we go to break, we got about a minute. We want to get your thoughts. They're still in D.C. They're staying in northwest D.C. for the next couple of days before they make the trip up to New York to play the Jets. Your thoughts on them staying on the East Coast for this entire uh, 10 days it's going to be. Can Wisenhunt have a curfew? Yeah, that's a good point. 
have a curfew. Don't. Frankly, frankly, the place they're, they're staying in an area of Washington, D.C. called Tyson's Corner. I've been there. There's nothing to do. There's oh, a mall there, and good. that's about it. There's nothing to do. Yeah, but it's not too hard for these guys to get in a limo and go find the nearest club or That bar. would be the case. Or if, or if you're one of those rookies that's not getting paid enough bling bling to get the limo, the Metro takes you everywhere <laughs> in Washington, D.C. Excellent point. So if you're out there listening in Washington, D.C., and you're on the Metro, maybe maybe keep an eye out for... Travis LeBoy. Yeah, have, have maybe Brian oh, St. Pierre. Oh, LeBoy got a deal. You know, what do you get? Two, two, three million a year? Yeah, he's, he's in so good he, shape. Okay, he's good. How about uh, Jer- if you see Jeremy Urban out there? Watch yeah. out. He might be a little hammered. He might be, especially because he hasn't been playing. He doesn't have to really worry about anything. When we come back, we're going to get into the best games of the day, including the Colts. They can't win at home. It's the Pigskin Podcast, fan1060.com. The Diamondbacks, the Suns, the Cardinals, the Coyotes, the Sun Devils, and the Wildcats. Sports Talk Radio for the Valley Sports Fan. AM 1060, The Fan. I am stuffed. After that meal, I have got to pass gas. Uh, powder room's right there. No! Daddy's gas can kill us all! That's right. Toxic clouds like the one I'm about to unleash could make everyone deathly ill. Be right back. Secondhand smoke contains hydrogen cyanide and other deadly gases. What a guy. Oh, he is a keeper. Don't pass gas. Take it outside. Get the facts at don'tpassgas.org. A message from the Ad Council and the American Legacy Foundation. Don't just sit there yelling at the radio. Pick up the phone and dial 602-260-1060. From one fan to another, we want to hear from you. Only from AM 1060, The Fan. Eight seconds left from 51 yards. Josh Scobie for the win. There's the snap and the placement. Scobie's kick. It's up. It's on the way. And it is good. He drilled it. Josh Scobie drilled it. Scobie drilled it. Scobie boots it from 51. And the Jaguars have beaten the Colts. 23-21. We drill it. Did Scobie drill it? I don't know. Did you did you hear that call? Jaguars yeah, Radio I Network? Do not, I do not think Scobie drilled it. I think he missed it. No. Oh, uh, way off. A 51-yarder to win it for the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Indianapolis Colts have not won a game at brand new Lucas Oil Field this season. Justin Carp, Brian Gibberman. It's the Pigskin Podcast right here on the Fan AM 1060 and the Fan1060.com. And let's get started with that game. Man, that was a really, really back-and-forth game. It was a lot of fun to watch. Lots of big plays by each team. But the Jacksonville Jaguars get off the schneid. They get their first win of the season. And the Indianapolis Colts, did Peyton Manning not playing in the preseason really have this big of an effect on this team? I know. It's crazy. In the first three games, the Colts have scored 21, 13, and 18 points. 2007, the Colts averaged 28 points. 2006, 27 points. 2005, 27. 2004, 33. I am willing to bet my salary, what I get which paid. Which isn't much. What, what I, no, I, and what I get paid to do this show. I'm willing to bet. Which is the big bucks, that's for sure. Willing to bet that you add those three scores up, there's not three games next to each other in those seasons that the Colts have scored less points. It's almost surreal. We're so used to, and especially during that Super Bowl season, we're so used to Peyton Manning making this offense thing look so easy. We're so used to him just being able to sling it to an open Marvin Harrison, to sling it to Reggie Wayne, to drop it down under to Dallas Clark. 
He had Edrin James in the backfield for so long, and even the last couple of years, Joseph Adai has emerged as a premier back in the uh, National Clark Football got League. Killed, by the way. Yes, he did. <laughs> and coming off of that injury too, oh, so I'm God, sure that didn't make joke. him feel any better. <laughs> this this offense looks so out of sync, and in that first game of the season, the the, the Sunday nighter against Chicago. Even their announcers were, were wondering out loud, what is wrong with this football team? There is something off about this team, and they couldn't put their fingers on it. And I'll put my finger on it right now. My thoughts on this is that in previous years, the Colts were so good at the, the basics of, of balancing play calling. They used the run and their explosive little running backs to set up the pass and to set up the Peyton Manning you know, long bombs downfield and his checkdowns and his checkoffs. He was so good, and it still is, so good at finding the open receiver. But right now, the running game and Joseph Adai and Dominic Rhodes, they're not putting him in positions to be able to make those reads. And they've lost some players along their offensive line. Jeff Saturday's been a little bit banged up. Mike Pollock, who went to Arizona State, was expected to be a big contributor in that offensive line. I don't think he's played yet Mm -mm. this season. And we can't, the one thing I have is I can't put it all on the offense. They They didn't touch the ball in the fourth quarter. And the one possession they did, they scored a touchdown. Mm-hmm. The, they Jaguars, the Jaguars had the ball for 12 minutes and 27 seconds of that fourth quarter. Time management, and even in the first couple of games for Jacksonville, Maurice Jones, Drew, Fred Taylor having a lot of trouble moving the football. That's why they weren't able to win those games is because they didn't have the football for long enough. They were not able to sustain drives. Their defense was on the field for God knows how long. They got tired, and they lost the football games. The fourth quarter was a tremendous example of what we saw last year from the Jaguars. Pounding the ball, David Garrard managing a good football game, sustaining long drives, and in the end, they end up getting the win. They have to put the ball in the end zone on that drive. You cannot settle for three when you have the ball for 12 minutes and 30 seconds. you got to finish that drive off and get it into the end zone. Now, this game wasn't the game a couple years ago that the Jaguars won like 44-17 to and ran the ball for like 350, yeah. 400 yards. It wasn't that game. That was a good fantasy fantasy yeah, game I for had, this I guy had, with I Maurice Jones-Drew. Yep, that was like the breakout game for, yep. not the breakout game, but I was so happy that game. I had Maurice Jones-Drew on my team that year also. But you, you cannot let a team have the ball for 12 minutes and 30 seconds of the fourth quarter. If I'm a Colts fan, I'm a little happy. You hope that maybe that one drive that they had in the fourth quarter with Peyton Manning, that they drive down the field in a minute and 30 seconds, get the score to put them ahead. Maybe you hope that that's a turning point for this offense and maybe they're starting to click a little bit. And then you have to be worried about the defense. I mean, did the Jaguars catch some breaks on that final drive? Yes, they got the pass oh, yeah. interference Without call. A doubt. That was a legit call, though. I agree. Legit call. They had the ball that got knocked into the air and fell into Greg Jones's hands. So the Jaguars got a little bit lucky. The point about this game, Jags were opportunistic, Colts weren't, ends up being a two-point win, Jags get their first win of the season. Brian, we're officially into week three of Lane Kiffin Panda Watch, as we all sit around and wait and watch paint dry and nothing happen. Lane Kiffin still has his job at the end of today, who knows if he'll have his job at the end of tomorrow, but... Needless to say, the Raiders blew a golden opportunity to make their coach look good as the Bills come back and win that football game 24-23. And this is, there's no other way to put it. I mean, Trent Edwards led a great couple of drives to set up the comeback scores. The Raiders lost this football game. The Bills did not win it. Yep, and Edwards for the second straight week did it last week against the Jaguars. And just, I got to touch on this Lane Kevin thing really, really quick. Mm -hmm. I mean, we all thought 
Al Davis had lost his mind a little bit. I mean, and then on Mon- <laughs> last Monday, we think Kiffin's going to get fired. This Monday, we thought he was going to get fired. And this just confirms one thing to me. Al Davis is completely senile. He's out of That's his mind. It. That's it. That's the only thing. That's the only explanation that something like this could happen is that Al Davis is senile and has completely lost his mind. Raiders dropped to 1-2. and two, And the Bills, for the first time since 1992, are 3-0. and oh, And Trent Edwards looking very impressive so far this season. Possibly the most entertaining game of the weekend was that New Orleans Denver game and the Broncos in this topsy-turvy AFC they're 3-0 now and Jay Cutler continues to impress so far this season. Fool's gold. Oh, are you Kevin McCabe now? Who you can hear from from 10 to noon on the Fan AM 1060? Denver Broncos. Fool's gold. Look, Jay Cutler's very good. I mean, how good would he look in the uh, red that the Cardinals wear instead of Matt Leinart? Oh, yeah. Well, that's a completely different story. Yeah, but how how can a defense be so bad that has two great corners like Champ Bailey and Dre Bly? Maybe uh, maybe Maybe I'm just falling in love with the names and I don't watch the, card, the, the Broncos close enough. But how can a defense with Champ Bailey, Dre Bly, DJ Williams be so bad? Do you think maybe that they're finally reaching that point where they can't be as effective? They're getting, you know, Dre Bly and Champ Bailey have been in the league for a long time. And, and they're 29-30. Okay. Bly, I'm not sure Not sure on Bly's age. I want to say, you think he's younger or older than Bailey? I want to say probably, if not the same age, a little bit older. Yeah. I mean, do you, do you think maybe it's a point where, and they've, they've played a couple of teams that have had some tremendous Tremendous playmakers, and they've been burned by them a ton. Obviously, okay, I, I will. I will say this is that the Broncos. They're going to be the most exciting team in the league, that's for sure, because I think every single one of these games is going to come down to this. A lot of points going to be put up for the Denver Broncos and against the Denver Broncos all season long. Getting burned is one thing. The Eagles and Cowboys had a high-scoring affair, but they came back the next week. The Eagles played a very physical, good defensive game against Pittsburgh. Yeah, they sacked the, sat the quarterback eight yeah, times. We'll get into that in the next nine, segment. Nine. Eight, eight was just eight Roethlisberger. Poor Byron Lutzberg, by the way. Denver. Denver, that's two weeks in a row that the defense has just looked completely awful. Mm-hmm. And They're uh, like the Dallas Mavericks of NFL so far. They're going to score a lot of points. They got plenty. Brandon Marshall is a man possessed so far this season uh, in his two games. They don't have as much of a run game as they used to, that's for sure. But Jay Cutler slinging the ball. If they can continue putting up points like that, maybe at some point it won't matter how many points they're giving up. But in the AFC West, which is looking pretty soft right now, with with the Raiders in turmoil, the Chiefs might be the worst team in the league, and the San Diego Chargers looking impressive tonight, but still sitting at 1-2. and two. It, might be, uh, it might be one of those years where Denver might be able to fly under the radar and sneak in to the postseason. Love coaches who adjust to their personnel. Mike Shanahan yep. knows their offensive line is young, isn't as good as his own blocking scheme as they used to be. Get Taking advantage of those quality wide receivers he has with Brandon Marshall and Eddie Royal and the tight end Tony Scheffler. Plays of the week next. Drop by for lunch with Kevin McCabe every weekday from 10 to noon. And new pickles! Oh God, help you if I find pickles! Only in the fan AM 1060, the voice of the fans. If there was an emergency, would your family have enough water and non-perishable food to last three days? We asked families across the country. Here are some of their answers. We usually eat fresh food daily. In the pantry, we have canned tomatoes. Uh, That's really not survival food, tomato paste. The brand of dog food that I do purchase are edible by humans. Is your plan any better? To learn more about making an emergency plan for your family, go to ready.gov. This message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and the Ad Council. 
Well. Bored of the same old sports talk show? Or how about all those darn promos for their local sports coverage? Well, it's time for something fresh and entertaining. Rock and Minute, weekdays 3 to 6, only on The Fan, AM 1060. Final segment of the Pigskin Podcast here on the Fan AM 1060 and the Fan1060.com. Justin Carp, Brian Giberman coming to you late Monday night, almost Tuesday morning here from the sprawling complex that is the Fan AM 1060 and the Fan1060.com studios. We got plenty to get to, including some more games, some more analysis here in this final segment, but... Brian, we got to do what's quickly becoming the segment that is revolutionizing sports talk radio and sports podcasting throughout the United States of America and possibly parts of Canada. It's the Plays of the Week. Brian Westbrook goes down early in the second quarter, and his backup left his impression on the game. Back goes McNabb. He's looking, looking, looking. He floats it on the far side. He's got puck order at the 10, at the 5. He leaps. He's in. Touchdown! And with that... Donovan McNabb has now thrown more touchdown passes than any man in Eagles history. A historic moment from the Eagles radio network as Philadelphia gets a grinded out 15-6 win over the Pittsburgh Steelers, who for all the talent that they have on the offensive side with Heinz Ward, Santonio Holmes, Willie Parker, Ben Roethlisberger, they can't score points all of a sudden. A physical football game. What what a fun football game to watch. He had that Broncos-Saints game going, which was high scoring. I'll tell you what, I was glued to the Steelers-Eagles game. Couldn't yeah. turn it off. I love That was a playoff-like football game. Physical, grinded out, and every play means so much in low-scoring games like that. I just can't take my eyes off. And I think what was most impressive about it is that the Eagles proved in that game that they can play in many different ways and have success. In the Monday night game against the Dallas Cowboys, sure they lost, but they were able to put up a ton of points on a very good defense. Well, that night the Dallas Cowboys weren't very good, obviously, but they were a normally good defense. They put up a lot of points. They come out the next week, they're only able to score 15 points, but the defense really kicked it in, and that's what makes a good football team, and that's what makes what I think the the, the Eagles Probably the second best team in the NFC right now because they proved that they can play all sorts of different styles and they can have success in all of them. And the Eagles, they blitz the hell out of people. They do. Jimmy Johnson wants to just send people left and right. And that is why they did not trade Lito Shepard in the offseason. They want to be able to leave those three corners, Asante Samuel, Sheldon Brown, and Lito Shepard out on islands. And those cornerbacks right now have the ability for the Eagles to blitz like they do. Play number three, Corral Buckhalter. Play number two, it was the Sunday nighter, and it was a good one in Green Bay. Well, it was a good one in the fourth quarter when Green Bay decided to show up and play. But it was this long reception that seemed to ice it. For the Cowboys. What will you do on third and 20? Shotgun. Romo's back. Steps up. Heaves it down the right side for Austin. And he caught it over the shoulder at the 10. And he's in for the touchdown. They had him double covered. There's no way Miles Austin can catch that ball. 13-10, the ticket in Dallas with the call on that one is the Dallas Cowboys. Miles Austin, the question around the offense for the Dallas Cowboys coming into this season was who would be the depth behind Terrell Owens and Patrick Creighton. I don't know if it's going to be Miles Austin from here on out, but he sure had himself a nice game at Lambeau Field last night. I don't like Patrick Creighton. I think Miles Austin can end up being the number two receiver on this team. Oh, you got, think... you got no love for Sam Hurd? Hurd, I... <laughs> <laughs> he... he... 
came in and they thought he could supplant Patrick Creighton as the number two receiver. And it looks like Miles Austin might be the more viable option to do that. Watching that game very possibly could be a preview of the NFC Championship yeah. game, unless that Eagles team we talked about has something to say about it. Miles Austin coming into that game last night had a career reception yardage total of 151 yards, and he nearly got half of it of that total on that one reception. That touchdown was reception that we just heard. Brian, time to get to the number one play of the week, and it comes to the number one surprise of the week. Maybe not that it happened, but how it happened, and Ronnie Brown... Don't forget about me, he says, with Ricky Williams in camp and getting most of the carries in Miami. Once again, directs that to Ronnie Brown, fakes it to the left, throws to the right. Yes! He's he got it! Yeah! How about that? Ah! <laughs> Ronnie, Ronnie Brown, Brown. sweeps to the left, throws it with the left hand to Anthony Fasano. Touchdown, Miami! And a perfect throw to Fasano in the corner of the end zone. And if you had Ronnie Brown in your fantasy leagues and you you started him and you still believed in Ronnie Brown, even though Ricky Williams was getting more carries and getting more touches on the ball, then wow, you've got some stones and you got five touchdowns out of the number two draft pick from the 2005 draft. Four on the ground. And that one you just heard, which is the Pigskin Podcast Play of the Week from the Dolphins Radio Network. Ronnie Brown out of, I guess you could call it the option, with him lining up in the shotgun, rolling out in a perfect pass to Anthony Fasano for the score. And the Dolphins go and destroy the New England Patriots at Foxborough. Yeah, the Dolphins go out and they use the wildcat formation that the Arkansas, That's exactly what it was. The arc that the Arkansas Razorbacks made famous with Darren McFadden last year. And they did a great job about, with it. And what surprises me is that Bill Belichick didn't make adjustments to stop it. Now... Is that offense really that successful with Ricky Williams as a decoy and Ronnie Brown getting the shotgun and, snap? And Chad Pennington split off wide in the flanker position. Most of the, pretty much on, on, on I want to say, at least 30 to 40% of the plays in this game. I mean, so we'll see. I, I would think that the team that game plans for the Dolphins next week will not fall for that, and that was going to be a one-week explosion using that type of offense. I mean, it could work here and there, but I can't see it working as consistently as it did in that Patriots game. But how incredible was it to watch the Patriots' vaunted defense? And by the way, if you look back in the records, it was their first loss in the regular season in 20 games. The last time they lost in the regular season, a 21-0 shutout to the Miami Dolphins. Wasn't that when the Dolphins were awful? Yes, was that it was. A, I think it was might have been a Monday night game. And it was, in, it was in Miami. Yeah. So the last two times the New England Patriots have lost in the regular season, it's been to the woeful Miami Dolphins. I just found it astounding that they, the New England Patriots, for all they did last year, couldn't even shut down a college offense. It really is crazy. I mean, 38-13. to 13. At home. 38-13, to 13, the New England Patriots. I don't care and that not, Matt Castle's the quarterback. Not even the offense. Joey Porter, they couldn't stop Joey Porter from getting into the backfield. He was a factor on every single pressure that the Miami Dolphins got on Matt Castle and into that backfield. Which is shocking because when you usually run your mouth and you go and play the Patriots, like Anthony Smith learned last year with the Steelers, they usually kick, kick your butt. Mm-hmm. They, they usually they, you're not allowed to run your mouth like that Porter nope. ran his mouth before the game and the Patriots let him back it up Brian I'm going to let you have the floor here I'm going to give you about a minute and all I'm going to say is the Jets go right now you see why Brett Favre should have played more in the preseason played 27 snaps on one game didn't play the fourth game 
Him and his receivers have no chemistry whatsoever. They're running the wrong routes. Favre thinking they're running one way. They run the other. That's how he got almost had. He had one to Cromartie that hit him in the hands, and lucky wasn't a touchdown. Then they had the other one where Chauncey Stuckey ran one way, and I think it was either Coles or Cotri who just stopped, and he lofted the ball over both of their heads to their corner. The offense looks lost. The defense is playing pathetic. And this just looks like a team that signed a lot of free agents, stuck a quarterback in there three weeks into training camp, and it just looks like they have no chemistry whatsoever. The Jets look like a complete joke. The one thing they have going for them is that their schedule is so easy. After they play Arizona next week, they have a bye week in week five, Cincinnati at Oakland, Kansas City. The Jets could very well be 5-2 and two going into their Week 9 game against Buffalo. Really quickly before we end the show, two major injury new, uh, news items to get to. Jeremy Shockey, a sports hernia. He's out for six weeks. And how about this? This is kind of scary. Al Harris, it doesn't sound serious, but it really is, tore his spleen and he's going to be done for the season. I know people, other other sports athletes, who have almost died from that injury. So Eric, it's good. Eric Lindros, right? And uh, Peter Forsberg as well. And what's scary is the Packers' defense is them pl- sticking Al Harris and Charles Woodson out on islands and letting them play man-to-man defense. Jared Against those Bush, physical receivers. Jarrett Bush, Will Blackman, Pat Lee, Tremont Williams. Ever hear any of them? Yeah. Which one? I'm bluffing. (laughs) I was about to say, well, that's who's playing now for the Green Bay Packers. So they're going to have to switch up their defensive scheme a little bit. Cardinals are in New York to play the Jets this week. We'll have it all for you along with the rest of the NFL on next week's Pigskin Podcast. Same time, same website. Brian, always good to see you. We'll see you again next week after week four. Pigskin Podcast, The Fan, 1060.com.